audience. I thought it would be great for my audience to see how the magic of advertising works. So I have the copy right in front of me. Let's do this. My name is... Insert 12th most popular name from 20 years earlier. And I live in... Insert city name. Every day I see something new in this city and all I can say is, Wow, that can only happen in... Insert city name. We have such a unique identity here in... Insert city name. For example, we like our hot dogs with... Insert hot dog topping. And we like our bagels with... Insert bagel topping. We also like to say... Insert slang word. Instead of cool or great. We also have the iconic... Insert tourist landmark. And be sure to stop by... Insert regional restaurant name. It might be hard to fit in at first, because us... Insert city demonym. ...are pretty darn unique. But soon enough, you'll learn all the ways that make... Insert city name. ...a great American city. Yeah, so they're just going to plug in different words and use that all over the country for different cities. And they focus tested it and found every city. You can plug every city in America into there. Still makes sense. So uh, that's the future of advertising, folks. Hey now. Hey now. Damn, son, where'd you find this? Deny. Headshot. Broadcasting live to tape from the new Society Show Theater in the most standoffish city in the world outside of Austria, Seattle, Washington. I'm listening. This is a podcast for a world gone mad. This is The Society Show. You know, we're living in a society. Today in society. Society. It's New Year's. Gonna be 2021 soon, so we have a bit of a New Year's variety show for you. You heard the opening segment. Very, very shortly, I will be joined by President Donald John Trump. His first interview with uh, a podcast like this, his first interview besides, you know, say Fox News, Newsmax, one of those big news people. His first interview with one of the little guys since he lost the election. He told me he didn't want to talk about the election, though. He just wanted to be, you know, chill. Please welcome, love him or hate him, President Donald J. Trump. I'm joined by President Donald Trump. Trump, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. So, I know you didn't want to talk politics, so let's just start with this. Uh, You have grandkids. We rarely hear about Trump as a grandpa. So, how do you feel about being a grandpa? The word grandfather, I've never quite got, you know, it's, it's my name. It's, they call me Grandpop, but uh, we have six, and it's great. Who is your favorite grandkid? Well, I have a couple of little toughies, and I have some that are just maybe too nice, if there's such a thing. But I haven't really, I'll let you know in about 18 years. I'm going to have it figured out. They're all very young. Okay, but suppose you were forced to pick a favorite grandkid. Like, you absolutely have to pick... Who do you choose? A little boy named Joseph from Ivanka. All right. Okay. So, um, so Trump, I mean, I know you didn't want to talk politics, but I'd kick myself if I didn't ask. So I got to say, 
it's blatantly obvious to, you know, basically the whole world that the U.S. government is pathetically inefficient. I'll put it that way. So, why is the U.S. state failing so dramatically? If you look at the Republicans and the Democrats, the president and others, they all hate each other. They really do. They don't like each other. They don't respect each other. Uh, they're not into each other at all. And it's very, very tough. So what's your solution to the problem then? I mean, it doesn't really matter now because you're about to leave office, but what actually needs to happen for the government to be functional and why did you not do it? There has to be something where they get into a room and make a deal, and a deal not good for them, but good for the country. We really need it badly. Well, personally, I think it might need to be something a little more drastic than that. But, okay, uh, President Trump, how do you perceive the reputation of the United States worldwide after your presidency? We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just... They're not respecting our country the way they used to, and they look back and they see this bedlam in Washington. Wow, okay, that's surprisingly candid for you, Trump. So uh, let's continue with that. Be honest. What's the deal with the whole claiming you actually won the election? Are you still contending you won? Is that just for show? Like, is that just for your supporters? And will you run in 2024? Scholars are saying, no, he doesn't have the right to do that. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a legal right to do that. You know, you could also say, well, you'll find out in about three years. But right. in the meantime, it's done. Yeah. But it's a mess in Washington. Yeah, okay. So I guess if I had to describe your time as president, to be honest, I'd describe you as kind of a bratty queen. You know, you're pretty gossipy, constantly whining about people. I mean, maybe that's harsh, but... Um, do you see yourself as a bratty queen? I was a brat. Uh, no question about that. And finally, Trump, what are some of the last things you do in D.C. before moving out? Are you going to check out a museum? Maybe, maybe the Smithsonian Museum or something? Go to the Smithsonian? Uh, generally speaking, I like to stay away from that. I've literally blown it up. <laughs> okay, well... Um... That about covers all the time I have for you. I guess I'm going to let you go. One thing I would like to do uh, for this episode, I will be saying a lot of people who died this year and pay my respects. So Rest in peace gonna split it out throughout the show but first i really want to pay my respects to michael brooks he died this year it's super sad he was one of my bigger influences for starting this show so i really sad michael brooks died this year rest in peace see you on the other side next david graber died this year if you're not familiar he was heavily involved in the Occupy movement, Occupy Wall Street. He's written several books. He, I guess, writes more from a perspective that I'm not personally uh, that into. For example, his style of leftism is very into being like anti-work. That's kind of a strain of thought. I guess it's a little bit more anarchist. But, and, but I mean, I gotta say... I first honestly kind of became a leftist because of Occupy Wall Street. I was in college taking intro to philosophy. One hour later. It explains why war exists. What what with the process of history, you know. One hour later. Well, did you know Obama was actually droning uh, people? He's droned a, a bunch of people. He's doing it right now. Do you know that? <laughs> um, but anyway, that's a long detour. Thank you, David Graeber. Rest in peace. See you on the other side. Rest in peace. And then this next person, big rest in power to this person, Helen Bullock. That makes it sound like it's a, an American or English name, Helen Bullock. No, maybe it's pronounced Helene 
Bulek, Bolek. She was a left-wing Kurd living in Turkey. She died on April 3rd, 2020 at the age of 28. We're nearly the same age. She's a few months younger than I am. She died of a hunger strike at her home, uh, which she was holding to protest the treatment of the band, specifically her band. The band was raided, and a lot of it is because they were Kurdish, and there was insinuations that they were connected to a terrorist organization. So she was on hunger strike to protest against the treatment of the band as a side effect of the general Turkish treatment of Kurdish people. So after she died, she did get large crowds to mourn her. And uh, so she did not die in vain. And it makes me really sad because she didn't have to die. And... um. So when people did march uh, for her death, the police intervened and detained several of the participants. So, you know, that just really shows the state violence that exists. You know, someone does a hunger strike to protest their oppression, dies, and then when people mourn her, the government arrests them. Like, and so true... Rest in power to Helene Bullock. It's spelled H-E-L-I-N-B-O with an umlaut. O with an umlaut. L-E-K. And uh, moving on to some more people. Jan Morris, if you're not familiar, she is one of the earliest publicly facing trans people in the modern era. She transitioned in like 60s, or I think 70s, maybe 60s. And, um, the thing about her is she's a great travel writer. I've read her book about Hong Kong, and I've read her book about being trans, but, um, and some of, some of her other travel writing, but rest in peace, Chan Morris. If you're not familiar with her, I recommend, you know, at least looking into her, because I think travel writing's an interesting genre, but a lot of people do it poorly. And then next we have John Lewis. He was the the congressman who was involved in the civil rights protests. Don't know as much about him, and he's a lot more well known in the United States than um, some of the other than everyone else I've mentioned so far. So all I have to say is thanks for everything and rest in peace, John Lewis. Rest in peace to Alex Trebek, and rest in peace to Regis Philbin. Uh, it is sad that Alex Trebek died, because it's like they were just talking about how he beat, beat his cancer, but I'm sure that there was a lot more issues going on that the public didn't really see, even though he was pretty public about his uh, his health issues. And then Regis Philbin, it's crazy, because... Since I've been in 8th grade, ninth grade probably, a long time, I have been predicting. I have been telling people year after year, I think Regis Philbin's going to die this year. And I kept saying it because I was like, he's, a, he's going to die soon. And I want to predict that he did it to seem like a psychic. Um, but I did not predict Regis Philbin would die this year, but he did. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Before we talk about anything else, anyone else who died, I do need to take a break, a little commercial break. So, this episode is brought to you by Nissan. The most reliable member of your family, Nissan. Shift expectations, Nissan. Innovation that excites. Everything you want, nothing you don't. With Nissan. Life is a journey, enjoy the ride. You can with a Nissan. 
Thank you, Nissan. I appreciate that. I, uh, I'm a big fan of your cars. Big fan. Big fan of the Nissan 240SXs. Can't tell you how many times I've played a Need for Speed game. Always choose the Nissan 240SX. They're a great car for drifting. For this short segment, I am joined by a very serious guest, a whistleblower for the U.S. Board on Geographic Names. The whistleblower, Bernadette, is joining me today. Bernadette, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And if anyone is concerned about the whistleblower's safety, just know we changed your name for your safety and uh, we're also masking your voice. Speaking of changing names, that is the same exact thing our government is doing to screw us over. Ooh, okay, getting right into the juicy details here. Okay, tell us all. The U.S. Board on Geographic Names is a government agency, and they're secretly changing the names of cities without telling anyone. What's an example of that? Like, I live in Seattle, so what is Seattle technically called? Uh, technically, according to the U.S. Board on Geographic Names, the official name for Seattle is Poopy Diarrhea Ass. And why would the federal government call Seattle Poopy Diarrhea Ass? Because they don't want you to know the truth. They're trying to keep the true names from us. Well, if everyone calls it Seattle, then um, why does it matter what it's technically called? Because they don't want us to call it the right thing. Okay, so uh, what are some other city names? Like, what is Portland called? Green Baby Poop. <laughs> okay, what is San Francisco called? Fart Diarrhea. Okay, so why are the secret names all based on liquidy poop? I actually wondered that myself, but I guess that is just another thing that they don't want us to know. Alright, interesting. So I want to respect your time, and I know you could only come on for a minute, so I just have uh, one question about this. Like, what should people do with this information? Well, the best thing that you can do is to call the city you live in by its real name. Uh, for example, if you live in San Francisco, call it Fart Diarrhea. If you live in Seattle, shout Poopy Diarrhea ass from the rooftops. And be sure to call your representative and ask why they're so interested in liquidy poop. Well, thank you, Bernadette. I appreciate you blowing the whistle on this. Yeah, thank you, Christian. How bizarre. Now, before we get into another segment, I'll give a little more 2020 deaths. Um, rest in peace, Sean Connery. What? Rest in peace, Wil Wilfred Brimley. What? Rest in peace, James Lipton. What? And then these last two I have for, for now. Rest in peace, Terry Goodkind. I don't actually know this guy, but I wanted to shout him out because... Uh, I've heard of him, never read his books. He was this fantasy author. He wrote The Sword of Truth, which is like a series. Let me find all the... I don't mean to make fun of this guy in the year he died, but some of these book titles are just like... It seems like a little bit of a parody of fantasy novels. Wizard's First Rule, Book One of the Sword of Truth series. Arc 1, Dark and Raw. Stone of Tears, part, er, part 2 of story arc number 1 of the Sword of Truth series. Blood of the Fold, Temple of the Winds. Soul of the Fire, Faith of the Fallen, the P Pillars of Creation. And then he, he went into a little phase where, you know, originally he was doing... <laughs> <laughs> doing the typical fantasy thing where every title has to have the word of or the in it. And then he break, breaks that pattern for 
the Sword of Truth series story arc number four, Chainfire, where three titles are just one word. Chainfire, Phantom, and Confessor. Um, yeah, I don't mean to make fun of this guy's titles. It's just, I wanted to shout him out because what he is best best known for by far is he was an Anne Rindat. Ayn Randite obsessed with Ayn Rand he wrote he was like contributed to the Atlas Society which was basically like a organization that supports Ayn Rand and um, this is one of the most bizarre things in the dedication to his novel The Pillars of Creation he wrote to the people in the United States intelligence community who for decades have valiantly fought to preserve life and liberty while being ridiculed, condemned, demonized, and shackled by the jackals of evil. Now, if this doesn't really tell you exactly what being a libertarian is, then I don't know what is. You know, a libertarian or an objectivist, an Ayn Randite, ostensibly wants as little or no government as possible. And yet, here's this guy absolutely kissing the ass of the United States intelligence community. So, what, what does that tell you about libertarianism? To me, it tells me that they are libertarian strictly in an economic sphere. They are cons- they are socially authoritarian. The United States intelligence community is one of the most authoritarian institutions, uh, uh, political apparatuses that has ever existed. And the reason it's so repressive is because, you know, Slavoj Žižek says this a lot. In China, they know that the government controls their life. They get it. In the U.S., people think they live, they are just as free as can be, free as a bird, right? And the United States intelligence community is the apparatus that helps convince people they are as free as a bird and also is some of the most oppressive so terry goodkind your politics sucked ass but um rest in everyone deserves a rest in peace and rest in peace i mean this guy didn't cause as much issues as you know anyone who's ever been in the CIA, he is just a CIA ass kisser. And then one more rest in peace for now. Rest in peace, Muhammad Ali. No, not the not the athlete, not the boxer. I'm talking about Muhammad Ali, the Bangladeshi politician, passed away this year. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. So the other day I was antique shopping, I was buying a new antique desk, and miraculously, a desk I found had an old letter in it, and it's a pretty interesting letter about uh, some old-timey stuff, so, uh, so let me read it. Dearest Margaret, love, Bill. P.S. How are you? P.P.S. Personally, I'm doing pretty good. PPPS. I miss you and the children terribly. PPPPS. Jim got the plague and died. PPPPPS. May God watch over his soul. PPPPPPS. Have you ever heard of this newfangled invention called canned food? I swear we live in the end times. (laughs) 
now, one thing I want to do, if you're a long-time listener to the show, you know that there's a society show denunciation list. Here's a list of all the giant, bad, dumb things I've ever said. This is my official list. These are people who are actually, officially enemies of the show. These are persona non grata for the show. So let me read the list so far. It's pretty short. Peter Thiel. What? Curtis Yarvin. What? Eric Weinstein. What? Jeff Giese. What? Um, if you know anything about those people, I added them all at the same time. What? There's f- it's four different people, but they all are associated with Peter Thiel and part of the same reactionary apparatus that Peter Thiel is. Eric Weinstein is basically Peter Thiel's liaison to the so-called IDW uh, community. Curtis Yarvin is Peter Thiel's liaison to the far right, but not exactly the type of far right you think of, more like the techie, tech o- aspiring tech overlord, neo-cameralist far right. And then Jeff Giese, he's just basically Teal's liaison to the Magachud, like, alt-right type right. And then on top of that, I have also denounced Eric Prince. What? Head of Blackwater, all-around scumbag. Well, now I'm adding someone else to the list. And um, I have a feeling I'm going to talk about this scumbag a lot um, in the coming years of the show. His name is Madison Cawthorn. Doesn't that sound like a name that uh, some type of a teeny bopper show like, I don't, what's that show called? I don't know what it's called, but the show is set in New York and it's about rich, oh wait, Gossip Girl maybe? Yeah, I think that's it. Where was I going? Oh yeah, it sounds like a name they'd make up on Gossip Girl to make fun of someone who's rich or like a parody of gossip girl they'd be like he is madison cawthorn madison cawthorn the eighth of sudenberry thank you so much madison yes indeed ho 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 that is exactly what he sounds like but no it's not a fake rich kid it's um frat bro some dumb ass frat bro in a wheelchair he's sexually harassed people he's a hitler lover i'm sure you know that if you know anything about him you'd know that he went to the eagle's nest in germany and made some sentimental ass posts about oh i got to see where the Führer's bunker is I was trembling knowing that there was so much evil there. You know, just the most mystification and glorification of Nazism ever. You might be like, oh, but he was saying Hitler was evil. But no, that's what gets far-right people off. They love the idea of thinking, oh, I'm evil. Oh, these people think I'm evil. Oh, I'm really getting that attention because I'm so evil. <laughs> Don't mess with the devil, buddy. We're number one. We beat anybody. We're the devils. The devils. <laughs> so, yeah, this guy is just, uh, he's a Hitler lover. He's a sexual harasser. And the worst part about it, maybe not the worst. I feel like um, loving Hitler is the worst part about it. But they, the Republican... Um, political apparatus, Madison Cawthorn, people related to him, they really try to make ambiguous why he's in a wheelchair. They try to make you think that it's because he served in the military, but that's not the case. Here's the case. Um, here's what actually happened. He was nominated, so he was nominated to go into the United States Naval Academy, but his application was rejected. They make it seem like he potentially was in the military on some level, but what happened is he was nominated to go into the United States Naval Academy, and then he was rejected, so he didn't get into the Naval Academy. Then he had a car accident and, and got um, hurt. The thing is, 
he has previously claimed that the car accident derailed, quote, derailed his plans to attend the United States Naval Academy, being completely deceptive about the fact that he was never accepted to begin with. So it's the most pointless type of low-level stolen valor. It's like stolen valor by insinuation. So here's his car accident. In 2014, I'm just reading from Wikipedia, to be honest. Like, I'm not going deep into this, but everything you need to know about this guy is pretty public knowledge. In 2014, at age 18, Madison Cawthorn was injured while returning from a spring break trip to Florida. He was a passenger in an SUV near Daytona Beach. His friend fell asleep at the wheel and the SUV crashed into, into a concrete barrier. And some people point this out. I don't really know what to uh, what what to make of it, but he is the owner of a company called SPQR Holdings, a real estate investment firm. And um, it says I don't really know what this company is for, but it reported no income, and he is its only employee. And SPQR. What, what what Wikipedia points out is that it it has been used by the right wing. It's from ancient Rome. It it's SPQR stands for Senatus Populisca Romanus, which is literally the Roman Senate and people. And so this isn't necessarily a right wing thing, but at the same time, like, well, I'll put it this way. One hour later. And another thing is Caesar was really, really into land reform. One hour later. It was riches to rags to riches story. And and yet he governed like the rags. Um, that is a complete detour. I didn't mean to get on that much of a detour. But with all that being said... Madison Cawthorn, I am formally calling you out. Out. You are out. And you are on the official society show denunciation list. You are com- you are done, scumbag. You are done on this show, okay? You little you little sexual harasser. You little Hitler lover, you are scum, and you just made the list. Oh yeah, you're laughing? You know what? You know what's gonna happen? Oh, you know what's happening to you right now? Huh? You know what's gonna happen? What? You just made the list! That is this updated society show denunciation list. Let's get into some more people who died this year, shall we? We have, uh, I'm going to go a little more rapid fire through some of these. Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. That was crazy when he died, right? I'm not even a Lakers fan. I don't care about Kobe Bryant. But even when he died, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Diego Maradona. A great Argentinian leftist, amazing soccer player. Proudly beat the the English at soccer, which is something I always respect. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Elizabeth Wurzel, the author of Prozac Nation. See you on the other side. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Chi-Chi Devane, Devine. I don't know anything about this person, but I do know that RuPaul's Drag Race is a very popular show, and I think they were on it, so rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Carl Reiner. Don't have much to say about him, but he died this year. Rest in peace. 
I'm gonna transition into some music people now. Um, rest in peace, Ennio Morricone. Uh, if you don't know him, he was the composer of a lot of westerns, um, or specifically spaghetti westerns. He composed the soundtrack of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and for a few, for a few dollars more, whatever those movies were called, the those spaghetti westerns that are famous. He composed a I mean, he may be one of the best film composers ever. So rest in peace. Also, I gotta give a rest in peace to Bill Withers. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. She's always gone too long. Anytime she goes away. Love your music, man. See you on the other side. Rest in peace, Kenny Rogers. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. With four hungry children and a crop in the field. See you on the other side. Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Van Halen was a band I loved in middle school. Uh, that was the type of music I listened to when I was a kid. Still put on Van Halen from time to time. I have a cassette player, and I always keep my eyes out for um, some of their better tapes. You can find some of their later tapes, but it's hard to find like their first few on, on tape for a reasonable price. Little Richard, rest in peace, my friend. Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot, rest in peace. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Quiet Riot, too. And then Neil Peart, gotta say rest in peace, one of the great rock drummers, maybe the greatest rock drummer of all time. Rush is another band that I absolutely loved when I was in middle school. Like, if I started in sixth grade liking Van Halen, but Van Halen being one of my favorite bands by eighth grade, Rush was one of my favorite bands. So rest in peace, Neil Peart. Keep on drumming in heaven. And then Florian Schneider from Kraftwerk. Rest in peace, Florian. Uh, I'm a huge Kraftwerk fan as well. I love I love German music from the 70s. What can I say? You know, I love Krautrock. Now, Kraftwerk isn't exactly like Krautrock. They're a little more... Some of their older albums are, like Trans... Or not Trans-Europe. Yeah. Autobahn. That Trans Europa Express is more like um, electronic music, less less crowd rocky. Bon bon bon, it's the autobahn. And now, sad. These are sad to me because I've been on. I had a huge reggae kick this year. Really like reggae music, so I guess. If you're familiar, the Maytals, Maytals, I'm not exactly sure how to say it. I've only seen it written, but the Maytals are an early ska band. They influence what would both become ska and also what would become reggae. I guess you'd call it like first generation ska. Um, two members of the band died. The singer Toots Hibbert passed away. As well as another member, Hux Brown. So, rest in peace and check out the Maytals if you've never heard them. And then finally, the rapper, Huey, best known for Pop, Lock, and Drop It, sadly passed away this year as well. So, rest in peace. Pop, lock it for me, girl, get low If your mama gave it to your baby girl, let it show Once you pop, pop, drop it for me, maybe we can roll Oh! So there's one thing I wanted to talk about on this episode. Uh, I want to talk about how politics work. I so I used to do a segment on the show called "The State of the State." State of the state. Haven't done it in a while, but I'm bringing it back. So here's the state of the state. State of the state. I feel like this segment says a lot about society. Society. 
and what I'm going to talk about is electoral politics in the United States, but I want to talk about it on a structural level, and I'm going to talk about it in the way in the way that politics function like machinery. And hopefully by the end, what I mean by calling it, like, talking about it on the structural level, hopefully what I mean by that is clear. So I'm going to focus on a representative here in Seattle where you live, where I live. The guy is named Adam Smith. He only represents a small corner of the city and then some suburbs nearby. And Pramila Jayapal represents most of the most of Seattle and she's, you know, pretty progressive relative to the American Congress. Um, however, Adam Smith is one of the most conservative Democrats. And it's not like he's in a swing district either. His district, which covers South Seattle, um, and the richer suburbs around it, and Boeing, more importantly, I'll get to that in a minute, it's the second most Democratic district in a heavily Democratic state. And he's also a bald loser like Jeff Bozo. Jeff Bozo. So just picture this in your mind. A conservative Democrat is most known as a war hawk, really, he looks like a ball loser like Jeff Bozo. Um, and there are, dozen of th- there are dozens of things I could call him out for. Like, he voted for the Iraq War. He supported the Patriot Act. He still does. But that's kind of all run-of-the-mill, right-wing treachery that you expect from the U.S. government. Here's some other things that make him just clearly terrible uh he voted adam smith voted against a bill that would restrict the nsa from collecting phone records from people who didn't commit a crime in other words he is one of the big pushers of state surveillance i mean how could he vote against that the government from collecting phone records from people who have literally never committed a crime the government records your calls or at least has the right to and a lot of that is because of people like adam smith but to me one of the most horribly disgusting things he did was he co-sponsored an amendment that was added to the 2013 military budget. The amendment is called the Smith-Munt Modernization Act of 2012, if you want to look into it. So basically what the Smith-Munt Act does is it makes it so news agencies funded by the U.S. government can distribute material domestically. So there are agencies like Voice of America, Radio Free Europe, Radio Free Asia, and a few other international pro-American propaganda. Um, before, before that, these networks distributed propaganda to foreign countries, uh, but it was always seen as taboo in the U.S. that the CIA would contribute to propaganda or media material however the cia does of course do this and they've been doing it much more aggressively since this pass and they've been they started doing it aggressively before it even passed Uh, i think people don't realize i could try to find an article i was just reading it from 2017 that basically said that The CIA and the Department of Defense are constantly rewriting scripts for Hollywood movies and shows. And if you want a little blast from this year, I guess this is a look back episode. Go back and find the episode I did about uh, Chinese movies. However... Those same people don't complain when the, say, the Avengers movies succeed at a similar level in both Chinese and American box offices. I consider that just as crappy of a movie as freaking Transformers. But we don't talk about it that way because white people like Avengers as well as Chinese people. And then, similarly, there are some bad movies like the Disney Star Wars movies. I really wanted to emphasize that. The Disney Star Wars movies suck. 
but they they actually do terribly in China. People in China don't like the Disney Star Wars. But we don't blame Americans for liking crap movies. This creates a dynamic where whenever a bad movie does well in China, the American press sneers at China China for their crappy taste. But whenever a bad movie doesn't do well in China, it is either underreported and ignored or, in fact, also turned against China. One of the things that makes me really sad about this is that the, the movies that get greenlit are these, you know, stuff blowing up, things, no, the jokes have to make sense on a very baseline level because they have to appeal to a non-American audience. And it just, it creates kind of like a mass consumerist culture. And it kind of removes kind of the things that made them American in the first place, which is that films in which the whole country could rally around. And now it's made for world consumption, which just kind of dilutes that. What impact do you think that has on all of us? Because I think film is really yeah. important. Here, Sagar shows his authoritarian ass by making it clear that he actually wants American movies to be American propaganda. He wants movies to be something that Americans rally behind. Sagar, I mean, he's kind of right that American movies are made for world conception. But where he's wrong is that's how Hollywood always has been. American movies are and have been one of the most ubiquitous cultural exports in the world. Movies aren't made for non-Americans any more than they were in, like, the 70s. They were still making movies for international audiences in the 70s. People worldwide were seeing American movies a lot. The difference is there's a lot more money to be made in international audiences now. And the even bigger difference than that is there's now national film industries to compete with Hollywood. So if Chinese movies speak to Chinese audiences more than American movies, then Hollywood... as a capitalist institution, isn't making that sweet, sweet money. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. It's all about the dum dum da dum dum. I don't think it's funny. It is very clear when you look into it that the U.S. government has way more input in movies than the Chinese government does, at least Hollywood movies. All of that's a sidetrack, though, but you'd think by now there'd be some sort of legitimate Democratic challenger to Adam Smith. He's been in there forever, since I think even the 90s. He's in a very blue district. He's a right-wing war hawk. Before 2018, he had negligible and effective challengers, and he didn't have any primary challenge in this most recent one in 2020. In 2018, he had a somewhat formidable challenger named Sarah Smith, but she was completely, totally buried by the national local press. Um, You know, she was expecting that there'd be some sort of, like, press around her in the same way AOC had it, but there was not, and uh, she raised one-tenth of the money that Adam Smith did, and she correctly pointed out that Adam Smith got a bunch of money from defense contractors, so my claim, my big claim for this segment is that someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not allowed to win in some districts. Like, she, she can in some, but not others. So, politics are a reflection of society. That's how I think about it. Society. And because our society is, you know, becoming more diverse, there needs to be more people like AOC and Elon Omar, like, representing that constituency. But... I think the Democratic Party tries to control the way this works. I don't think it's okay to the Democratic Party to let a progressive Democrat in charge of a district with Boeing in it. 
a district with Boeing, and the current rep, Adam Smith, is a very pro-war Democrat in a very safe Democrat district, and he's the chair of the House Armed Services Committee. If Democrats thought AOC had a chance to win in a district that represents global capital, like say she was running for a district with downtown Manhattan in it, I don't think Democrats would have done, or I'm sorry, I think Democrats would have done everything they can to stop it. But if she's in a, you know, the Bronx, like a district that is not the most like capital power center as other parts of New York... They can be like, okay, well, we, we gave them one AOC for New York. That's good enough. Represents this district that does not command capital. So we're set. We can, we can let them have AOC and we can still be controlling everything. That's why Pramila Jayapal is able to uh, win in the most, by far the most blue district in Washington that encompasses most of Seattle. But someone like Adam Smith wins in a slightly less blue, but still overwhelmingly blue district that includes Boeing and uh, the rich parts, the rich, richer suburbs of Seattle, like Bellevue. And I guess all of that is to say, my, my ultimate point is that you need to think about politics as a structure to maintain the status quo. AOC you know it might be it might seem like she's um well it doesn't seem like this anymore when she was first elected it seemed like she might be trying to destroy the status quo but now it's pretty clear that's not what's happening it's just the status quo needs more representation um in order to justify itself and to continue doing its normal project and i only say that because we have to acknowledge that politics don't work like they don't work on an individual level you know like let's imagine that theoretically 51 percent of the of congress were progressive democrats we would not become socialists they would continue just managing the same system because the system only allows them to manage that system. There needs to be a shift, a split, something that separates our current system from the new system or it's dysfunctional. They, they can only serve the system they're in. And, and I'm not trying to be like defeatist about it. I'm simply saying that you can't think about politics is like AOC and Elon Omar the squad representing our interests no they are there to represent us and uh, advance our interests to no avail they they will not be successful and the system will do everything they can to keep them not successful like I said before, I say this to make people think about politics on a structural level. Politics op operate as a system, a structure. They don't operate like people, more utopian type thinkers, people who are a little bit like have their head in the clouds. They think of politics as like, oh, we all have this fantasy land that's our ideal world and we all come together, combine those ideal worlds, and then what comes out, that's, that's a little bit for everyone. That's not how politics works at all. The structure is designed to keep the same system in place, whether we like it or not. And I think that's very clear with COVID because we've seen how laid bare, dysfunctional our society, society. and government is, our economy. And they just continue accelerating those same problems that have become patently clear because the system doesn't allow anything else. And with that, I suppose that has been the state of the state. State of the state. Now let's get to uh, some more of these 2020 death shout outs. 
Fred Willard, rest in peace, very funny guy. Hey, what happened? Jerry Stiller, rest in peace, very funny guy. I'm a huge fan of Seinfeld, of course, but also a huge fan of King of Queens. Your eggplant parmesan is a disgrace to this house! Uh, rest in peace, Jerry Bishop. He was the announcer for Judge Judy. I can hear your voice loud and clear in my brain as, as I speak. are about to enter the courtroom of Judge Judith Scheindlin. The people are real. The cases are real. The rulings are final. This is Judge Judy. Rest in peace, Bozo the Clown, a.k.a. Bill Britton. I see miracles all around me. Stop and look around, it's all astounding. Rest in peace, James Randi, the amazing Randi. Hang on a sec, that's part of your trick, right? No. That's not my trick, Michael. It's my illusion. James Randi, if you don't know, he was in a, a Canadian-American uh, magician. He was really into, like, disputing other people's claims. He was kind of, like, um, kind of... I, rem I first heard of him as a musician when I was... Or a magician when I was younger, but then I heard about him again in college when my professor talked about how he was, like, a skeptic and he challenged people to, like, um, prove occult crap and stuff like that. I don't know. Um, but rest in peace, the amazing Randy. Rest in peace, Kong Kek Lu. Uh, <laughs> this guy wasn't so good. He was a convicted Cambodian war crim criminal and leader in the Khmer Rouge. Um, so maybe not rest in peace. But um, see you on the <laughs> other side, maybe. And then this one's super sad. I learned about this very endearing woman. Uh, and she's not famous by anything, by any means, but her name was An Angela Spook, or maybe Angela Spook. She was German. Um, she was n known as the Hexa von der Co, Witch of the Co, because she lived in Dusseldorf, and she would traverse around a main street in Dusseldorf called, called Kernig's Alley, nicknamed Co. She always dressed as a witch. She was very well known as a street person, very well liked, and it's always such a tragedy when people like that die. Like, you know, eccentric street people, they really are important to this world. And uh, so, rest in peace, Angela Spook. Rest in now I'm going to talk about some pro wrestlers who died. Rest in peace, Rocky Johnson, The Rock's dad. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Pat Patterson. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Kamala. Rest in peace, Road Warrior Animal. I was a huge Road Warrior fan uh, growing up. Rest in peace. Peace. Rest in peace, Mr. Wrestling 2. Don't know much about him, but I uh, he was more of a wrestler back in the day. But talk about a great stage name. They don't make wrestling stage names like that anymore. And then finally, this is very fresh news. Rest in peace, Luke Harper. Rest in peace. He is actually the only person on this list, I believe, who I ever saw wrestle in person. I saw him at a uh, WWE untelevised house show. It was really fun. He, I was always a fan of him. He's like a tall guy, long hair, beard. Very good. He was good as like a scary hillbilly type guy. And finally, let me rush through these last few rest in pieces for 2020. Rest in peace, Tony Hisea, the founder of the shoes company Zappos. He died in a strange way. He uh, 
was in a f- house fire, and then a little bit later, he died from damage. So rest in peace. Applebee's founder, Bill Palmer, died. Rest in peace. Bill Gates Sr., Bill Gates' dad, uh, died. Rest in peace. Stanley Ho, a Hong Kong Macau billionaire, he, what is he, he's, I guess he's best known for gambling in Macau, he also probably uh, has plenty of other investments, but he's like the richest of the rich in Macau, he died this year, so, uh, Hope you enjoyed the wild ride, my friend, and uh, let's go into some animals who died this year. The racehorse AP Indy died, rest in peace. What? The racehorse Bahamian Bounty died, rest in peace. What? The racehorse Rip Van Winkle died, rest in peace. What? And the racehorse Sub-Zero died, rest in peace. What? Almost finally. CC the cat, the first cloned cat died. Rest in peace. What? And Lupo, owned by Prince William and Catherine, Duchess of Cambridge. Lupo died. Rest in peace. What? And finally, a truly tragic death. Gotta end out this show giving a shout out to this person. This person is an inspiring political figure, an absolute inspiration to young girls around the world, a defender of human rights and women's rights. Rest in peace, Kasim Soleimani. And with that, this has been The Society Show. Thank you for listening. This has been a very special New Year's reflection. Got to reflect on all the deaths of the year. Got to talk about the state of the state. Got to hear from Donald Trump and a whistleblower. Got to hear a uh, advertisement recorded. You don't get you got to hear an old old-timey letter. You don't get that type of stuff on other shows, folks. That's why The Society Show is the best podcast around. And with that, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Christian is cool. Is spelled I-Z. Christian I-Z cool. You can follow the show on Twitter at society underscore show. And you could also write into the podcast at Society Show Podcast, all one word, Society Show Podcast at gmail.com. And with that, hopefully 2020 wasn't as bad for you as it was generally bad for a lot of people. And I hope 2021 is even better. So have a great 2021 and a happy new year. Yeah, good. Okay. I think you called me a liar on national TV. You've been on the front lines of corporate price fixing. You worked for a company that was fixing bread prices. So I wrote back, hey, Donald Trump, the science is on my side, and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. Democrats decided to shield and shelter criminals. Look, 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 wait. You have criminal. NASA is the German breakaway government. If you're having deja vu all over again, we don't blame you. Because once again, Hillary Clinton is criticizing Bernie Sanders. I know you don't like us. I know you're going to keep fucking tweeting at us. Fine, do whatever the fuck you want. If there was a pill, 
If there was a pill that, that I could take and not be gay anymore, I would have jumped on it. How did they know who did this so quickly like they did Lee Harvey Oswald? Every war thought starts with a false flag operation. A third building has collapsed. World Trade Center Building 7. Tailgate. That means football games, Ohio State, thousands of people in parking lots, on roofs. And fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. May Allah awaken the people and help them to see the evil doings of Israel and the United States. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. What up, Amanda Maricott? It's Ben Margera, and I apologize for you having to watch Jackass to make friends. You know what, Mr. Bloomberg? It wasn't you who made all that money. Maybe your workers played some role in that as well. I've got time to do a little self-care. And the winner is a movie from South Korea. We got enough problems with South Korea with trade. Was it good? I don't know. Best foreign movie. Did this ever happen before? I don't view it as an act of God. I would view it as, uh, as uh, something that just surprised the whole world. The Bernie grows her hair. Let it go. You just said two minutes ago that they would have to buy in. You said they would have to buy in. Are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? Joe already has what is the most progressive platform of any major party nominee in history. Think about having to eat my neighbors. You think I like sizing up my neighbor? Hell, I'm gonna haul him up by a chain and chop his ass up. I'll do it. My children aren't going hungry. I will eat your ass. That's why I want the globalists to know I will eat your ass first. This is 2020. This is 2020. This is 2020.